pastors uh, to give them an opportunity to preach. But listen, it's also good for me. You know, it keeps me fresh, keeps me strong. And it is also, most importantly, it's good for you. You know, it's good for the church. And uh, so we are. We are very blessed here at Coastal. So I want us to jump right in. Uh, Today we are in week six uh, of this series called Summer Reading, where we use books as a springboard to dive into God's Word. And uh, the book that we're using today is The Bible Made Easy for Kids. The Bible Made Easy for Kids. Usually during the, you know, seven-week series, we'll, we try to pick a family book or a parenting book or, a, or even a children's book and use it. Now, parents, this book, The Bible Made Easy for Kids, it is a great, great, great resource for you and your family. You know, it, it's great for your children, but honestly, you know, the kind of the, the word around uh, the staff is we were looking through the book and our pastors, we were like, wow, this is great for adults. I mean, it's really good. It's basically uh, an overview, an overview of the entire Bible, and, um, and if you picked up the book and you started looking through it, you know, you might be wondering, you know, what in the world is Pastor Chris's message going to be on today? Because basically the book, you know, covers every major story and every major theme in the Bible. So here's what I want to use it for today. I want to use this book simply as an opportunity Uh, to talk about parenting, talk about parenting. Well, the story goes that when this young, new, enthusiastic preacher first started out preaching in his very first church, uh, he had an entire 10, 10-week sermon series on parenting called 10 Rules for Raising Godly Children. But then, after he had his first child, He changed the title to 10 Guidelines for Raising Good Kids. And then after another child arrived, he shortened it a little bit. Five Principles for Raising Children. And then during the teenage years of his children, he changed it to Three Suggestions for Surviving Parenthood. And then finally... You know, when his children were grown and gone and out the door, his lone single parenting sermon was entitled, Good Luck, okay? Good luck. So, you know, even though Janet and I uh, have raised two children on, uh, who are both married uh, and now on their own, we don't have any grandkids yet, but we're waiting, children. Are you listening for this? No, anyway. Uh, uh, but... Um, And even though, you know, I have taught on various aspects of the family, you know, for more than 30 years, still, I'll I'll be honest with you, I am the first to admit that speaking on parenting, you know, it can be a fearful thing. Because it's not really, you know, this one size fits all kind of thing. You know, every child is different. If you have children, you, you know that to be true. Um, and I don't know about you, but like, you know, when Janet and I were starting out, we were raising our children, Janet and I were learning and growing right along with them, right? But hopefully today, I can offer a little more than just good luck, okay? You know, one of the things that I know about everybody, everybody in this room, I don't care what your background is, uh, regardless of where you're from, what part of the country, what your spiritual heritage is, what your political persuasion is. I know this to be true about everybody here, everybody watching online. You all have a desire 
for a healthy, loving family, right? However, families today are very different and very difficult. Would you agree with that? Would you agree with that? It's hard being a parent, right? And then the world in which we are raising our kids today um, is very complicated, right? You know, and it seems to be the world that we're living in, there's this constant downward spiral. You know, everything's just kind of spinning out of control. You know, so being a parent is a, it's a full-time, difficult, and demanding job. And then, what's crazy, is just about the time where you think, you know, you've learned a few lessons, and you're kind of getting the hang of it, your kids are out the door. And, you know, you, you find yourself, you know, when you're raising your kids and kind of later on in life asking, you know, why in the world couldn't we have had, you know, like the energy of our 20s combined with the, the wisdom of our 40s and 50s? But it doesn't work that way. Now, I happen to believe that any discussion of parenting has got to begin by settling two very foundational issues, two questions that every parent has got to answer. Okay, here, here it is. Here's the first one. Number one, what's your goal? What's your goal of parenting? If you're, if you're taking notes, write that down. What's the goal? In, any good you know, business plan starts with looking at, okay, what is the end result supposed to be, right? What are we trying to accomplish? Where are we headed? Well, the same issue has got to be settled uh, in parenting. So parents, let me ask you, you know, what's your primary goal for your children? Now, a lot of parents will say today, well, you know, my number one goal for my kids is, to, is for them to be happy. Guys, listen to me. I mean, sure, you know, it's great when your kids are happy, but our goal as parents has got to go deeper than that. You know, your goal um, is not to raise a successful child as the world defines success. You know, one who is accomplished in some field, makes a lot of money. Your goal is not to raise a popular child, one who's attractive and well-liked and socially sought after, who marries a good-looking maid and provides you with the most beautiful, gifted, wonderful grandchildren on the planet. Those goals will not, listen to this, they will not sustain them in this life and definitely not in the life to come. So write this down. The goal of parenting is simply this, to raise children who love God, okay, that's the first part, who love God, who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and who live according to the principles found in God's Word. That's it. That's the goal. To raise children who love God, accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and live according to the principles in God's Word. You know, I, um, I still remember uh, my wife Janet's reaction when the second of our two children uh, gave their life to Christ and, and was baptized. It was our son, Christopher. And, um, you know, honestly, you know what she did? This, not when anybody was around, but just the two of us later, she kind of went, wiped her hands and went, whew, I'm done. You know, <laughs> that's it. Now, obviously she was joking, right? And that definitely did not end our parenting, not by a long shot. But there was this almost sense of relief thinking, okay, as parents, you know, we, we've done our best to plant, plant some seeds, to lay this good foundation, and now they've given their life to Christ. 
And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have that power and that strength to sustain them throughout their life. And, and now one day, we're going to see them again in heaven. You see, ultimately, that is where true, lasting joy and life and purpose and meaning comes from in this life and in the next. It's found, of course, in a, in a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I feel the need today uh, to clarify something and uh, hopefully relieve uh, some massive amounts of guilt for parents. Just because you are a believer and a follower of Jesus, that does not guarantee that your children will make the same decision. You know, just like you, guess what? They have a free will. You know, they have choices to make, decisions to make. And you can't make that decision for them. And if they do become a follower of Jesus, listen to this. That doesn't guarantee that they're never going to veer off the path. Did you ever veer off the path? Did you ever make poor decisions? You know, it also doesn't mean that you are going to agree with every choice and every decision that they make. Yeah, but, but Pastor Chris... You know, what about that, that verse, uh, Proverbs 22, 6, that says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Okay, honestly, that is one of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted verses in the entire Bible. And, and as a result, it either burdens parents with this unwarranted guilt, or I think it also fosters a foolish pride. You know, with parents taking the primary credit or blame for the decisions their children make, for how they turn out. So what's the myth? The myth is basically that God promises, that he guarantees that a good and godly home will automatically equal good and godly children. So... If that's a myth, then what is this proverb teaching? Well, let's look at it. Like all proverbs, it really is more of a statement of probability. It's meant to be a principle and not a specific promise. You know, the book of Proverbs is, is Hebrew poetry. It's, we call it wisdom literature. and It's filled with poetic allusion and, and metaphors. In fact, listen to how the, the book of Proverbs opens itself. Proverbs 1, 1 through 4. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose, listen to this, is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. You see, when you hear the word proverb, you need to think wise saying, wise observation. You know, they are observations about how life, yes, generally works, what usually happens, but not what always happens. So the proverbs are principles, probabilities not promises. I mean, listen, let's just all be really honest here today. We have all, all seen examples of good and godly parents. 
you know, who raised their children, we would say right, who brought them to church, you know, when they were young, and now when they're older, they're not living for God. You know? I mean, you actually even see that in Scripture. You know, one such example is uh, uh, the prophet Samuel. I mean, he was raised, you know, correctly. You know, you read his story. But listen, read about his children. It's not good. But let me ask you this. Would you rather build a foundation, lay a foundation in your children's life built on God's Word and on prayer and on the church and trust that this principle is going to give them a better opportunity to come to know Jesus personally? Or would you rather just set your child loose and let them go their own way into the world and just hope, you know, that somehow, some way, when they get older, they may or may not find their way back to God? I mean, which one? Which one do you think has the best shot of leading your children to God? Of course, it's it's laying the foundation. Listen, you cannot control the future, but you can control the foundation. You know, you can't control what your child does at 20 or 30 or 40, but you can at least control the foundation when they are 2 or 3 or 5 or 10. So let's move on. The second question is just as critical. So again, the first one deals with, right, the end result. What's your, what's your goal? The second one deals with, okay, how are you going to get there? Number two, what's your game plan? What's your game plan? You know, wh- what are you going to use? How are you going to accomplish that? What's your parenting blueprint? What, what voices are you going to listen to? What voices will influence you? Now, let me just cut to the chase this morning, okay? If you are a believer, a follower of Jesus, God's Word is our guide to parenting. Plain and simple. You see, we are to che- as Christians, we are to check every piece of advice. Every new parenting, popular parenting trend that's come down, comes down the pike. Every accepted parenting practice with, does this line up with the Word of God? And let me tell you, every single day, really in every area of your life, you are going to face some choices. Will you accept, you know, the ever-changing wisdom of this world, or will you accept the revealed wisdom in the Word of God that has withstood the ages. For example, you know, there are some experts today that will encourage you to develop a, you know, a democratic household where you treat your children as equals. But the Bible says children obey your parents in the Lord. You know, there is a system of authority set up in Scripture. Some people will insist, oh, you know, don't try to impose your religious values on your children. You know, kids need to be completely free, you know, to choose their own path. But the Bible says we're to train up our children in the way that they should go. I love Psalm chapter 78, uh, verses 4 through 7. Um, I think in this passage we can see both the goal and the game plan for parenting. Follow along as I read this. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord 
his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed the statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. What's he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. He's talking about the wonders of God, sharing that, you know, continually with the next generation, the next generation, with your children. Now, here's the continuing goal of parenting. Listen to what he says. So, the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. And then here's the specific goal. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Guys, that's it. Right there. That's both the goal and the game plan. So, again, let's make this practical. You know, how do we do that? What's the starting place? So here it is. Mom and dad, make the commitment to give God first place in your family. Give God first place in my family. Listen, God simply says that if you want me to bless your family, put me first in your family. And it is a principle that affects every area of your life. First equals blessing. That's the equation. First equals blessing. Whatever area of of your life that you want God to bless, you better make sure that you're putting him first in that area. You know, if you want God to bless your finances, put God first in your finances. If you want God to bless your relationships, put God first in your relationships. If you want God to bless your family, put God what? What? First in your family. You know, it's amazing to me how often people come and uh, ask me for prayer about about even these areas right here. You know, their finances, uh, their relationships, their family. And typically my first response in, in kind of talking through that with them is, hey, make sure you honor God there. You know, put him first there. So, so then what does that look like? You know, how do we walk that out? Well, here's the foundation. Build my family on the foundation of prayer, God's word, and the church. Prayer, God's word, and the church. Giving God first place in your family starts with just building This strong foundation early, early on. You know, one of the things the Bible compares the family is uh, to uh, building a house. And so when you build a family, you want to start with this solid, strong foundation. And the strongest foundation that we could ever build it on, uh, on any family on, is prayer, the Word of God, the, the family of God. 1 Chronicles 16, 11 says, search for the Lord and for His strength. And then I love this word, continually continually seek him circle that word there continually how many of you would agree that nothing improves your prayer life like being a parent right i mean because you're you're always you're always praying for your family always praying for your kids you're always seeking god there's just something really kind of kind of natural about that in fact finish this sentence the family that prays together what stays together right you've all heard that now i think we should add You know, the family that reads their Bible together, that goes to church together, that worships together, that serves together. You know, here's the question that you've got to answer. Do we have a regular family time of prayer, reading the Bible? Now, let me say this. Let me say this up front. 
I don't believe that that has to look the same for everybody. I don't think there's some little, you know, perfect formula that fits every family, every child. I, I, I don't. You know, you've got to figure out what works for you, what works for your family. You know, maybe it's at bedtime. You know, that, that worked for a, a long season in our family. Maybe it's in the morning, you know. Uh, it could be in the car on the way to school. As our kids got early, that, uh, older, that became, you know, a, a, a great place. Or, or just, maybe not just even on the way to school, but, you know, just those, those moments that you have where you're, where you're driving, you know, to and from someplace. It could be before meals, you know. Make sure that, what I'm saying is just make sure that you and your family have this, this regular, you know, kind of normal time in your family of, hey, we pray together, we dig into God's Word together, and you've got to be intentional about it. You know, that's why this resource today, you know, the Bible made easy for kids is, is so good, because you can use that. There, there is something powerful about your family going to God. You know, together and talking to him, you know, when you're stressed out, when you're worried, just taking your everyday cares to him. And then what I'm saying is you tie it in with the word of God. You see, they go together. Prayer is, you know, you talking to God. The word of God is is God talking to you. And again, that's why today's book is so is such a powerful resource, you know, for you, for your children. Not only does it give them an overview of the entire Bible, but it also helps them to see how it connects, you know, how it all fits together. And again, maybe you need to see that. I think that's why it's a good resource for everyone. By the way, it it got sold out pretty quickly out there, but you can order it online. Amazon's your friend, right? But you've got to make it a priority. You know, you've got to make the family of God, you know, the church a priority. And I'm not talking about, you know, just church attendance, you know, checking something off the box. No, I'm talking about there's something powerful about, you know, worshiping together, you know, serving together, fellowshipping together, doing life together. By the way, speaking of, of fellowshipping and, and doing life together, that's why you need to be in a life group this semester. So that, you know, your family sees, hey, we don't just go to church, right? Like we say, we are the church. This is our family. We're connected. We're involved. We have relationships. You know, you, you, you're in a small group with other people. And by the way, there's even a parenting group this semester. Sunday nights at uh, 5.30. In fact, intentionally we did that uh, during the same time the student ministry is meeting. Sunday nights, 5.30 here at the church. Uh, they're doing a book called uh, Intentional Parenting. And uh, it's going to be great. Sign up for it. Pastor Scott and Lori Huff are, are leading the group. Get, get in. Get involved. Listen, if you have young children, you have got to make Coastal Kids a priority. Now, we can't do all your job in Coastal Kids or student ministry, but you know what can happen in there? Man, we're laying the foundation. We're, we're, we're teaching children the value of the Word of God, how it applies to their life. They're singing and worshiping. And what else are they doing? They're developing friends. Man, I hear so many beautiful, beautiful stories back there of what's happening in Coastal Kids. And I want to go even a step further. Listen, if you're here today and your kids are involved in Coastal Kids, you know what you need to do today? You need to take out your Connect card and on the back of it. I would like to volunteer to serve. Circle one, children. Listen, you're receiving the benefit of it. You're being blessed to be a blessing. And now it's time to give back. 
Man, our church is growing, you know, so rapidly that now we're trying to figure out, you know, we built this beautiful building for coastal kids, and it's getting filled up. And we're trying to, we need to add classrooms. But you know what? To add another room, you know what that means? We need about 16 more volunteers. I'd like to get that today. You know, if you have any inkling whatsoever about serving here on Sunday morning, man, Coastal Kids is for you. You change the life of a child, you change the world. And you get to be a part of it here. It is, and you, we're, you know, it doesn't mean when you sign up that you're automatically going to be, you know, the lead teacher in a room. No, there are, we, we like to have about four to five adults in each room in each class. Because there's that many kids, and, and they all work, work together. Uh, child check-in. There's so many places for you to fit in. I also want to encourage you that if you have middle or high school students, 6th through 12th grade, listen, you have got to get them to student ministry. If there is a group of children, a group of kids who need the Lord, who need encouragement, who need help, who need to be like, you know, just kind of directed in this, this difficult and crazy world that we live in, it's, it's our students. And let me tell you something, Jacob Benetti is doing an awesome job back there. He, he, he preaches and teaches the Word of God. You know, it, it, is, it is just awesome what's happening back there. But we can't make your kids come. You've got to bring them. In fact, they kick off tonight. Are you ready for this? They kick off tonight at 5 o'clock. Doors open at 5. Their regular programming is from 5.30 to 7. And then in September, for those of you who want to drop off your kids and maybe stay, you can stick around for the parenting group. I could go on and on, but we got to keep moving. Now, as your children get older, especially those, you know, those uh, early, those preteen years and those teenage years, you want to see them become self-feeders. Self-feeders. And what I mean by that is that in middle school, and high school, they now begin to pray and read the Bible on their own. But one of the reasons why they do that is because you have modeled that as a family, as a parent. You know, and, you know, they've, they've been taught that and led to do that through, you know, such a great thing as student ministry. And, you know... You, you help them find a good devotional. You know, if they've got a phone, make sure they've got version Bible app on there. And, and as they get older, then you simply begin to just look for those teachable moments. You know, not where you're lecturing, but where you listen. That's the stage, guys, where you listen and encourage. And you've got to start asking more open-ended questions. And then you just listen. You know, as they share about their day or their doubts or their struggles... Don't judge them. Just tell them you're praying for them. And maybe once in a while you pray for them right then and there. You say, well, Pastor Chris, my teenagers don't even talk to me, much less share their doubts or struggles. You know, don't give up. Don't give up. Hey, how about this? Ask them to pray for you. You know, tell them about what you're reading, what you're learning, what you're struggling with. You know, and ask them the same questions. You know, more than anything else, your teenager just needs to see that the Word of God and prayer and the family of God, that there's still priorities in your life, that it does make a difference. Maybe they'll veer off on a different path for a time, but again, what's the probability? What are we hoping to happen? Is that they'll see what a difference it's made in your life. Now, you've got to build that foundation early, early on. That's the key. Listen, you cannot control the future of your children, the choices that they make, but you are responsible for and you can control the foundation, the seeds that you plant. 
And then let me say this. There is nothing, nothing more powerful than for your wife and your children, men. I'm talking to you, men, husbands, fathers. There's nothing more powerful than for your wife or your children to see you take the lead. To see you take the initiative. And to lead your family into, you know, to reading God's word. To, to see you on, on your knees, you know, in prayer. To see you as a, as a man reading God's word. And then more importantly, just living it out. Not perfection, but progress. To see your growth. To see you living that out. To see you take the lead in bringing your family to church. To serving together. Guys, that's where it starts. You know, honestly... I think sometimes we complicate this thing of parenting way too much. Here, here is the best, the best advice I can give anybody as a parent. Here it is. Good luck. No, I'm just joking. Not good luck. I, I told you that. No, 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 no. Here it is. Treat your kids the way God treats you. Treat your kids the way God treats you. That's it. The way God treats you, his children, is the way you ought to treat your children. So how does God treat you? Think about it. He is loving. He is kind. He's tender-hearted. He listens. He pays attention. He is affectionate. By the way, hear me, hear me out. Part of God's love also includes his discipline. You know, the Bible actually says that the Lord disciplines those that he loves. In fact, the Bible says that if you as a parent are not disciplining your children, two things are true about you. One, it proves that you really don't love your children. And two, that you are personally participating in their destruction. That's what the Bible says. Now, that loving discipline starts early, early on. But that's another sermon for another day, okay? But think about it again. God is understanding. He is faithful. He is forgiving. I'm saying do that. Mom, dad, you're going to be okay. What I'm really telling you is just to fall more deeply in love with God. To grow in relationship with Him and, and, and other believers. To get to know Him better and better and then just strive to be more like him in the way that you parent. Costa, we've all made mistakes. We all need forgiveness. We've all made mistakes in parenting. Why not today just make the commitment? Make the commitment. You know, today, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for my children. I thank you for my wife and for our family. Lord, I thank you that, um, you know, for the seeds that have been planted and the foundation that has been laid. And I pray my children continue to love you and serve you. And Father, I just pray for all the moms and dads here. You know, there's so many different families represented here. There's families that are hurting and struggling. There's uh, single moms and single dads and and uh, it is a difficult, hard world in which we're living. Lord, I pray that they would um, just seek to listen to you and your word and to build this foundation. 
And maybe they need to, you know, have a little family meeting and kind of circle everybody together and say, hey, guys, I, I need your forgiveness. You know, I've not been the mom or the dad that I, that I need to be. And I just want to, I want to change that. And we're, together, we're going to work toward that. And Father, ultimately, we're all sinners that need forgiveness. And that is only found in faith through Christ. Maybe you're here today and that's the next step for you. You can't put God first in, in, your, in your family, in your parenting, until He's first in your life. Give your life to Him today. Just pour your heart out to Him. Ask Him for forgiveness. Humbly turn away from your past, your sin, and just ask Him for forgiveness and give Him your life. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. Coastal, we're going to move into a uh, time of response today. And uh, as we do that, hey, finish filling out your Connect card. You know, yeah, as Scott said, all the contact information, but let us know about decisions today, choices that you'd like to make. Hey, I'm looking for, I'm looking for 16 new volunteers in, chil in children's ministry today. And, uh, man, let's just knock it out of the park right here and right now. Circle it. You know, you're not going to get stuck in the black hole of nursery every Sunday, every service for the rest of your life. That doesn't happen here. Not at all. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Maybe your next step is to, um, you know, sign up to serve. Uh, actually, today, uh, today after the third service, we have a newcomer's reception. And I know this is the first service, and it's going to be after the third. Maybe go out for brunch somewhere, go out and get a cup of coffee. We'd love for you to come back. Come back around uh, 1230. We'll be meeting uh, in the chapel. Maybe you'd like to get baptized. I said earlier uh, this morning with a group of volunteers that uh, last Sunday we baptized 28 people at the beach. We have now baptized 94 people this year. 94 people. Um, maybe that's your next step. We're ready any Sunday, any service. If you'd like someone to pray with you today, go back to the prayer and decision area. Maybe, maybe today, you know, you go back there because you go, hey, I need someone to pray with me for my kids. They, they, they're struggling, they've veered off the path and they need hope and they need help and you need prayer we're also going to take communion today uh, it's for believers, that's the only requirement uh, that you are a forgiven sinner and you just come to any one of the tables take the elements, it's a piece of bread and a cup of juice, they represent the body